new or existing home is one of your most important assets, yet too many people rely on sites, shows, and tips from people who are not in the real estate business when making important decisions. It's time to get real and trust a professional. This is Real Real Estate Today with host Deb Tomorrow. In this series, you'll learn about making smart decisions when it comes to buying a home, selling a home, or even staying in the home you're in. Now, here is your host, Realtor Deb Tomorrow. Hey, everybody. Welcome. Karen just gave me a look like, what the heck? No, I felt like I needed to get closer. Okay, I'm sorry. I thought I maybe frightened you. So this is Deb Tomorrow. I'm your host of Real Real Estate Today, your home for smart real estate. We are uh, in part two of a three-part series, and I want to kind of get to it today because there's some um, really interesting information. Um, So we're doing a series on kind of alternative housing concepts. So last week we had Daniel Weddle of Carpenter Owl, who does tiny homes, and he's been featured on DIY, and I know our guests know him too. And so we talked a lot about tiny home living we use the word feces twice which i'm not proud of but it is a fact um it's internet we can say whatever we want so well you know everybody is like how do you flush a toilet in a tiny home that's not hooked up to plumbing we had to have that conversation absolutely all right um so i'm proud of that next week we are having uh jill and scott stowers on who um, have a homestead out in brown county uh, and their business is called the Wood Frog, and they have a lot of, I helped them sell and buy a house, and uh, they had a lot of interesting things to say about having chickens uh, and acreage and raising hogs and all that kind of stuff. So those are the two kind of sandwiches, and now for the filling, we're going to be talking about a special project going on in Bloomington, but if you're not in Bloomington, uh, because I know I looked at the numbers last week, we're, we're very big in China right now, mm-hmm. just so you guys know, mm-hmm. uh, and Iraq. So I think I maybe have a military following. So thank you for your service uh, forever. I, I have fallen off my numbers in Poland. Um, I used to be really popular in Poland, and I apparently offended the Poles somehow. I'm not sure. But sorry about that. Um, but the Bloomington, the co-housing projects, uh, there's uh, hundreds of them across the United States. Uh, and as I understand it, it's a concept that was sort of came about uh, from a visit to Denmark. So it's really um, been this concept of co-housing and stick with me because you will get to it has been around for really hundreds of years. Uh, I'm an anthropology major, my undergraduate. So I'm like, well, this is really interesting anthropological study of communities. And then I figured I can't really pull off the whole academic thing, but um, you know, it's, it's building off of that idea of um, intentional communities. And so I want anybody that is interested in co-housing to listen because I'm hoping that we're going to ask a lot of the questions that I think people out there would naturally ask. Um, Because, Karen, you don't really know much about. I I know nothing about today's topic. I knew who the guests were. So this will definitely be, uh, I will be asking the questions just as they come. Right. (laughs) Yeah. And we didn't really even uh, give our guests an agenda ahead of time. I just said to Lauren, I go, well, we have questions. And he goes, we we, we probably have answers. (laughs) So hopefully I don't put you on the spot. So let me make our introductions. Of course, you've heard Karen's voice, Karen Rastle, the best damn lender in the state of Indiana. So thanks for joining us as usual uh and then lauren wood who has been a guest on our show before i don't when was that was last year sometime last fall maybe i I don't recall summer yeah Yeah. and i'm sure we'll find that link and throw it out there too because we did a show um your uh business is called lauren wood builders and you do a lot of remodeling as well as new construction and and some development and so this is part of your development arm so thanks yes. for being here. Yeah. And then we also have Joel Kiefer, who uh, Joel and I go way back. 
Yes, we do. We actually grew up in the same hood in yes, Indianapolis, although we didn't know each other back then, but we kind of knew of each other, yeah. you know. Well, you were a mentor of sorts to me when I was Oh, well, thank you. Yeah. When we yeah. were both younger. Yes, when we were both younger. <laughs> I, my very first year in real estate, I met Joel. He called me 901 South Washington. I can remember the house. I had a listing. <laughs> and he and his wife called me. She was pregnant with their first. And we went out and looked at it and kind of became friends from there and helped each other kind of grow our rental businesses and uh, and share a lot of resources. So right. I was excited when I found out that you were coming on, too. And I thought, oh, it's old home week. And um, and Joel's going to be heavily involved. Um, you have a real estate license, so you're a realtor. And, uh, and you're going to be heavily involved in this project yes, ma'am. Um, as part of the developer side of things okay so what is this idea of co-housing it's highlights it's an overwhelming <laughs> question right it's, it's uh it's a little bit of a of a loaded question and i i you could go to the co-housing bible and get a real um, strict definition but i think loosely co-housing is pocket neighborhood, a little intentional community with some basic design concepts that are common across them, parking on the periphery, uh, inward facing homes with built in connectivity, home to home, as well as home to common space and, and green space. There's typical, typically a common house that acts as uh, an aug- augmentation to the otherwise typically smaller um, independent home sites. They can be, you know, can be a, a condo style with with paired homes. It can be individual uh, standalone houses. It can be, uh, you know, it can be an apartment. Yeah. Building with mm-hmm. common space downstairs. Yeah, I was going to say, I, like, I don't have paper. Like, I wanted to jot some notes down. But when you just mentioned that uh, the homes are going to be, like, inward facing. So is there, like, some green space in that middle piece? Or is that where, like, then that common house, like... Absolutely. Yeah. And if if you were to go to to the co-housing Facebook page right now, you'd see a site plan that's uh, on there and you'd see homes around the periphery of it, largely with some parking on on two extreme outsides of the of the property and and then some park like setting inside with common gardens, a common house, a little common cabin in in our case. Mm -hmm. Um, and so I think conceptually, you have these small homes that are that are substandard sizes compared to the average home that Americans like to build. So okay. in our case, about eight, 800 to 1600 square feet is probably going to be the range. Um, and when people say, but where would my parents stay when they came to visit from Ireland or wherever, Chicago? Yeah. Uh, you've got some common house lodging that could be shared as overflow space. Likewise, when I have a big get together for my birthday party and my 100 square foot footprint doesn't accommodate we have the spillover into the common house, some central common grounds with the pavilion, in our case, a fire pit, some communal gathering space. I think beyond that, and on a more uh, day-to-day basis, the, the idea is that you interact with the people in the community much more intentionally, um, that you're typically there's one or more common meals a week. That's a, that's a real strong tenet of co-housing. It's not required. You don't have to eat with people if you don't like well, frankly, if you don't like being around other people, you're probably not going to be drawn towards this type of neighborhood. Yeah. And that was that was a big topic of conversation. I think we'll probably circle back to that we were all talking about. And I do, I think there's a time and a place 
um, in everyone's life for a living, um, you know, environment like this. It's not always the right time for everyone. Um, so yeah, I would definitely recommend that everyone go to the Facebook page because there is the cover photo for your Facebook page. Oh, you've got a copy too. Cool. Is, um, uh, the site design. And so if you look at it, the parkings in the back, there are not streets that go along the front of these homes. And that's where I think it's going to be so interesting. But if you go online, you can see there's all, I've been watching all these YouTube videos and checking out all these sites. Um, and so you can see, I mean, imagine these paths, you know, like large walkways that are going along the front of the homes and cutting mm-hmm. across green space. And the idea is that, you know, there's people are walking mm-hmm. um you know and you see you know kids going to school and they're walking along these paths and um it, you know it's just much more um collaborative in that sense and then yes there's the common house uh in this case there's also a log cabin as well so um you know you use the word intentional a lot um it, can you speak any more to what that means it's a little bit of a, a buzzword these well, days i'm going to speak a little bit to just the general general location and design and, and uh, orientation of this neighborhood just from an intention intentional stand, standpoint from a connectivity standpoint and what I think what makes it special beyond the co-housing nature of the project so south of the property here is the YMCA so this is the, there's a, a little strip of you know there's a park here I realize y'all on radio land imagine me pointing at awesome yeah, stuff right. <laughs> uh, so to the south is the YMCA and this amazing uh, community resource that the YMCA represents. Uh, to the west is the Montessori mm-hmm. school as well as the YMCA gymnastic property. You look just a tiny bit further west and you've got Hilltop Gardens and the community orchard and that little park in that. If you look to the east, we've got a little watershed and a ravine that's mm-hmm. protected. And it's so this is nestled into this little um, pocket of neat community resources outside of the co-housing model. But walkable but perfect for exactly what you're trying oh my, to mm-hmm. oh my gosh so the, the, i think co-housing seems to appeal to two different demographics appeal strongly to two different demographics a lot of older folks mm-hmm. who are more towards retirement mm-hmm. and who have had their big mansion and mm-hmm. and no longer need a bunch of bedrooms for their kids who have now moved out and they don't want to maintain maybe they want to travel quite a bit or just that a big home is not necessary for them anymore. And they want some building connectivity to the community uh, that, you know, they don't have kids and their friends coming over all day. And um, so I I think that this type of neighborhood seems to appeal more to to that demographic. And then also to younger people who don't have five kids at home and need Mm -hmm. a ton of overflow space for them. Um, you know, maybe with one kid at home mm-hmm. and, and you know, we've got the Montessori school right, right. here for and those kids. Developmental yeah, DLC, whatever. Developmental yeah. Learning Center. There's mm-hmm. multiple bus stops within a couple hundred feet of here. One in the Y parking lot, yeah. one across the street from Montessori, yeah, one north here on Maxwell. The community garden is yeah. southwest. Yeah, so right. it's a lot also, of the resources. Also, um, a really that, great listing, three blocks to the north at 1730 <laughs> Uh, Maxwell Street, if anyone's interested. I've seen that as an amazing property there. It's a gorgeous house. uh, If anybody wants to get close to the co-housing, but you need a little bit more square footage, I've got a great option for you. It's a 4,000 square foot house. Uh, So (laughs) So from an intentional (laughs) intentional community standpoint, though, I think aside from the the co-housing nature of this 
property. I think just the location is amazing in terms of the built-in resources and connection to the larger Bloomington community. And then I think within the, the co-housing neighborhood itself, the intentional design around common shared space, around facilitating community. Mm-hmm. Uh, and this is largely why this has been such an appealing pro- project for Lornwood Builders to be involved in. And we talk in our mission statement about building community mm-hmm. one home at a time. And this it just seemed right in line with, with what we want to be a part of in our community and helping facilitate connection and, and connection to our community. Great. Well, we've got to go to our first break. When we come back, I want to talk about you know that idea of community a little bit more. I want to talk a little bit about that New York Times article um, because, again, I mean, my whole goal today is to make sure that people really understand what co-housing means, that it's not a commune. It's it's a, you know something completely different, and it's healthy, um, and it can be a great thing and an exciting thing coming to Bloomington. So stick around. You're listening to Real Real Estate Today, your home for smart real estate. The Internet's number one talk station. Number one talk station. VoiceAmerica.com Are you interested in buying or selling a home? Not sure what the next step is? Deb can help. Go to realrealestatetoday.com and click on Start Here. You'll be asked a few simple questions and Deb will personally contact you to help answer your real estate questions and connect you with a realtor in her personal nationwide network of realtors. So even if you aren't in Deb's service area, you're guaranteed to find a good match wherever you are. Visit realrealestatetoday.com. Are you finding your frequency? It can be described as that space between failure and success. It's the future of digital media. It's finding your voice. It's engaging topics, content, and ideas. Jeff and Ryan discuss the digital media space and all of its aspects. It's about making the mistakes, taking the chances, summoning the intestinal fortitude to step out of your comfort zone, and discovering what you can accomplish when you decide to try, decide to learn, decide that you have something to say, and find your frequency. Why? Fridays at 2 p.m. Pacific Time, 5 p.m. Eastern Time on the Voice America Variety Channel. You count. Tune into Interrevolutionary Radio and join the spontaneous wave of people all over the planet who, like you, are changing our world from the inside out. Follow the movement. Meet guests who are shaking things up. Call in and gain insights and courage to empower your own voice. Large or small, your part counts. So join us. Co-hosted by Helen Hillix, Todd Benton, and Chris Reeves. Interrevolutionary Radio airs live every Thursday at 3 p.m. Pacific Time, 6 p.m. Eastern, on the Voice America Variety Channel. Streaming live, the leader in Internet talk radio, voiceamerica.com. You are listening to Real Real Estate Today. To reach Deb tomorrow or with questions and comments about the show, please send an email to Deb at realrealestatetoday.com. That's Deb at realrealestatetoday.com. Now, back to this week's program. All right, welcome back to today's show. A fascinating topic um, on the Bloomington co-housing project. But again, if you're not in Bloomington, there's still a lot of application for listening to this show. So be sure you listen. Co-housing is, we were just talking about it at the break. It's almost an unfortunate name. um, And I don't want to 
you know, poo-poo the name or, or be negative on it. But the concept was sort of, not discovered, but it kind of started in, in uh, Denmark. And uh, some people, we're going to talk about the history a little bit, but um, they tried to translate the name, come up with an English translation translation for the Danish word and came up with co-housing. And um, I have a little bit of a fear that that's just confusing people. So, and obviously I, my opinion is shared by the New York Times, which is always great. Uh, there was an article that came out in January 20th. And Rachel, did you get – so that we're going to post that up on our Facebook page. Um, and it was also on the Bloomington Co-housing Facebook page. There's, It's called There's Community and Consensus – consensus but it's no commune um, and so that's something that's really important to understand and in fact I was watching some YouTube videos um, because I wanted to physically walk through some co-housing communities to try mm-hmm. and understand um, and there's so many um, you know apartment buildings condos homes I mean there's all kinds of versions of it but one guy said in the video you know it's not a commune we don't live under one roof we don't share income it's not that kind of thing it's more just like a little bit of a ramped up homeowner association um, but again it's focus isn't you know when we think of homeowner associations we think of broken down cars and trampolines and, you know, complaining about shrubbery and things like that. And it's not quite that either. It's got another um, deeper level of component to it, which I think can be really healthy. Mm -hmm. Um, And that's why I'm so interested in it. Um, So what do you, Joel, what did you want to talk about before the break you were? Well, I I was going to say that all the talk of intentional community and I've, I'm coming to realize this as I research like you've been doing. The intentional community occurs because of opportunities. No one is forced. So Mm. when you are funneled into the common green and you go check your mail at the community house, Mm -hmm. the community structure, you have opportunities. How far you go with those opportunities, I think, is going to be up to the individual. And so in, in a lot of ways we're creating a space that presents opportunities is the way I like to think of it. Mm. And and I, I don't, I don't think we're prescribing anything to anybody. Mm-hmm. I think we're going to make it a really nice place to have community. And I right. think if, uh, I think people that want to take advantage of those opportunities are going to come to us. Right. But I don't think that we are, um, I think it's a natural occurrence is okay. what I've been reading. Okay. Know. That's, that's a really interesting point. Yeah. Does that make it clear? Does that make you feel better it about it? It makes it clear to me because like right before break, you mentioned that it's, it's, it depends on how this community would want to set up mm-hmm. the structure of it. But what you're saying is that you're building this beautiful space that just the energy of it will probably want you to be more involved and to be more community based. Is that a fair statement? I think yeah. so. Yeah. So I was thinking, you know, like you just mentioned, I have an HOA in a standard subdivision where we do complain. I don't go to the meetings, but, you know, you can't have on-street parking. You can't park a boat and that kind of thing. And 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 you send your money in every, every year. And sometimes stuff gets shoveled and sometimes it doesn't. But this is going to be totally different. And, uh, and it's going to, I just think, you know, encourage people to really be involved in mm-hmm. – and just growing that space. Mm-hmm. I wanted to talk, there was, uh, I'm going to ask Rachel to post, uh, there was a TED Talk that I watched by an architect named Grace Kim. I'm guessing she may be out on the West Coast somewhere. And she built or was involved in developing a co-housing building. They're more like condos. Um, it was a nine-unit building. But she was talking about 
you know, the benefits. But her premise of the TED Talk was that, um, you know, loneliness is something that's sort of becoming epidemic. And our solutions for that, like social media, aren't always the best solutions, because loneliness isn't about numbers. It's not about being surrounded by numbers of people. She was posting pictures of typical suburban neighborhoods, and you're surrounded. I mean, thousands of people living in near proximity to you. But what do you do? You drive into your driveway, you open your garage, you get in, you you close your garage door, you get out of your car, you never really talk, you don't know the name of the person who lives two doors down from you. But the, the solution to loneliness is um, strong social connections. Mm-hmm. And so, and then that made me think of, and this is really weird, so hopefully this doesn't offend you guys, but it made me think of Meadowood. I'm, I'm in this kick right now where it's like, I want to retire to Meadowood because it just seems like an easy lifestyle. That's a senior living community here. But it's sort of the same thing, except for all age ranges, because in Meadowood, you have your own space. Um, you know, you've got a full kitchen, you've got everything in your own little house, whether it's an apartment or a condo. But there are opportunities for social interaction uh, at dinner and at various events and activities that when you go up there, you know, the residents, you know, I know some people who live up there and they're just really content. Like they just feel good about where they are because they just don't feel lonely. Um, And I've seen the flip side of, um, you know, people who are lonely and it's it's a sad state. Yes, I think that there are a lot of similarities to, from this to, to Meadowood, both intentional communities. And, and, you know, as I was starting to say earlier, I think co-housing does appeal. There's a, a large demographic that demographic that's drawn to co-housing is the retirement age folks who want to be more connected to community, who are isolated because they're no longer working, their kids are no longer at home. And this gives them built-in access to folks, if you've got a young couple here with a little baby and all around them are some retired folks who are home all day, you've got some built-in babysitters, right. you know, go over to the common house, do some laundry or cook dinner. You know, it just creates all these opportunities. Uh, I heard someone say that it, it takes, uh, usually takes the average of two beers to walk from the entrance to the common <laughs> house. And, and, I, and I think that's a funny anecdote, but but largely true. I visited, I went to the co-housing um, national conference down in, in Nashville, Tennessee this past summer, and we visited the um, the community there, the housing community in Nashville. I can't remember the name of it right offhand, but it was so neat. We we showed up late after the – I got lost. and got yeah. there at like midnight. I'm not, I'm not exaggerating. It's my uncle who works with me and I. And we, they, there are three people hanging out in the common house. They chat with us. They got us beer. We, they gave us a you know, midnight tour of the property, oh, wow. and it was just neat as we were there to see people coming in and out. Out, popping in for 10 minutes to chat with their neighbors mm-hmm. and pick up their mail and maybe grab something from the fridge and then walk to their own house. Uh, it was just really magical for me to see that the, just the design of the neighborhood mm-hmm. how that how that facilitated connection with these people. Um, you know, that resonated for me. I lived in downtown Bloomington for 15 years. I lived right by campus. I didn't know any of my neighbors. Yeah. And they probably changed every year, too. Yeah, that too. Which is a little bit different. So how do you, you know, one of the big questions, and it's hopefully it's not an uncomfortable question, but, you know, it's one that we all three of us had. You know, how do you make sure that you do, I don't want to say get the right people in the neighborhood, but I think convey the right expectations or understanding of what you're trying to accomplish. I mean, what happens if you get someone who doesn't quite get it? Well, to Lauren's point, someone that doesn't get it is is 
unlikely to pursue yeah. what what we're doing here. Here, um, I think that maybe the wrong person at first glance that doesn't get it at first glance might be an asset to the co-housing community eventually. You know, we we kind of pile on millennials. We uh, we we plus 35ers. I'll, yes. I'll, I'll say it nicely because <laughs> for you ladies. Um, and I've had a lot of positive response from young people. Yeah. Uh, thinking that, you know, thinking that it might be a good opportunity for them. Mm-hmm. Uh, yeah. Maybe in, I've heard in three years or when I get married, you know, not some of the, some of the kids are thinking that would be a really neat mm-hmm. first or second opportunity to own a house. And again, I'd point out that you don't have to eat dinner with everybody. You right. don't have to, uh, if you don't want to see people and you don't want to have a porch facing someone else and you want a big privacy re- fence around your property, this is not the right spot. Right. This is not, we're not building a town here for everybody. We're building a little tiny development mm-hmm. that will appeal to people with maybe some common principles and, and interests in being in, uh, involved with their neighbors and, and having access, direct access to, to, to neighbor type communities. And that's not for everybody. And it's like buying into any other homeowner association. And we did a show about this a couple of years ago, and it's been one of our most popular shows ever about what you need to ask before buying a condo, because I don't think people ask the right questions and they get themselves then into a, in a neighborhood that maybe isn't a great fit because when you are buying into, whether it's a condo or whether it's co-housing, um, from a financial perspective, we talked about this, you're going into business with someone because you're pooling and sharing financial resources, even if it's just, you know, for maintaining common house or whatever. So you need to do, you know, your um, research. There's a neighborhood in town called Tamron. Uh, Uris's landscape company maintains a portion of it. And he finds anytime someone new moves in, they didn't understand that in that neighborhood and a portion of that neighborhood, you don't own the yard. It's not yours to do with as you want. Can't put a fence up. You can't put a pool in. You know, you can't do those things. Uh, and people don't understand that. So I guess that would be the one thing I would say. And I would ask the real estate community. And I think Joel is representing uh, this neighborhood is going to have a little bit of work to do to communicate that and make sure up front that people understand what it is without scaring them. Mm-hmm. No, that's a good yeah. point. Yeah. I mean, that's it. And you know, the nice thing is, um, though we've had a lot of interest from folks, uh, at the, the different community meetings we've had so far. And I think that, um, we're continually taking input from other people that might be interested in the project, but also kind of learning with them. And, and that, that input we get, it, it, it spurs questions, just like your comment, you know, that we need to consider. So. Um, and are you using, do you have resources? At, there's a national co-housing. I want to have the name. Well, I have it right here in front of me, don't I? Uh, the Co-Housing Association of the United States. Uh, and are you guys using resources from them to help you kind of get things set up somewhat? Well, um, no and yes. I mean, I, so, so can I take a step back and talk about the, the history of this project? Do we have time to do I'm that? I'm going to do that after the break. Okay. Yeah. Got it. So, uh, yes, starting with the very first thing I did when I was approached by this project, I met with the architect who had been on board before we came mm, on board. Okay. I um, had multiple meetings with the original founders of this project. I took a, con- a contingent from Lornwood Builders down to the national um, um what was it called? The National Conference. Okay. And visited other communities. So 
yes, we we tried to look out at, at what was happening across the co-housing community in the United States to see what they were doing. We are not, I haven't sought any proper membership okay. through them. We have had uh, a consultant who lives in a co-housing community, Silver Sage in Boulder, mm-hmm. had him come down here and consult with us about group development and some of the soft development issues yeah, around co-housing. Right, right. And we're going, Joel and I are going out to the there's not a, a national conference this year, but there are regional conferences. We're going to one in Boulder in a month or two. Mm-hmm. And so, yes, we're very much trying to leverage um, skills, knowledge, right. broader institutional skills and knowledge. But we are not members of any organization okay. yet. <laughs> but that's kind of the whole purpose of the co-housing movement is to leverage you know, knowledge and um, opportunities and, and information you know, that's already been been developed out there. So I think that's kind of interesting. All right, let's go to break. And then we come back. Yeah, we're going to talk about the history of the co-housing movement in general, but then specifically the Bloomington and how we've kind of gotten where we are today and where we're going in the future. So sit tight. You're listening to Real Real Estate Today, your home for smart real estate. Streaming live. The leader in Internet talk radio, voiceamerica.com. Are you interested in buying or selling a home? Not sure what the next step is? Deb can help. Go to realrealestatetoday.com and click on Start Here. You'll be asked a few simple questions, and Deb will personally contact you to help answer your real estate questions and connect you with a realtor in her personal nationwide network of realtors. So even if you aren't in Deb's service area, you're guaranteed to find a good match wherever you are. Visit realrealestatetoday.com. In the spirit of Have Couch, Will Travel, Dr. Carol Lieberman creates a haven of sanity in an increasingly insane world. Each day we are bombarded with news of events that have never crossed our wildest nightmares. Society is spiraling out of control and everyone is reeling from it. But now there's an answer. The best way to keep sane in this insane world is to tune in to Dr. Carol's Couch on Voice America. Dr. Carol, a certified media psychiatrist, will broadcast live from her Beverly Hills office every Tuesday at 1 p.m. Pacific time. Call or log in and get help with whatever is sending you reeling whenever you need a soothing voice to calm and advise you. That's Dr. Carol's Couch every Tuesday at 1 p.m. Pacific Time here on America's Voice, voiceamerica.com. What if there was a radio show that could demonstrate how we can cut your taxes in half without diminishing needed government services? One that could explain how to create tens of millions of jobs at no cost to taxpayers, as well as fantastic yet easily affordable health care. Side effects include cutting crime rates nationwide, providing better education for our children, international peace and harmony, and protecting your private personal data from government intrusion. Tune in to Libertarians Working for you with Arvind Vora, Tuesdays at 8 p.m. Eastern Time, 5 p.m. Pacific Time on Voice America Variety. Tune in to The Patricia Raskin Show on VoiceAmerica.com every Monday at 2 p.m. Eastern Time and 11 a.m. Pacific Time. This is the program that helps you turn obstacles into opportunities, challenges into solutions, and find answers to tough questions with the award-winning powerhouse voice of radio, Patricia Raskin. So tune in and call in to The Patricia Raskin Show, Mondays at 2 p.m. Eastern Time and 11 a.m. Pacific Time, right here on the Voice America Variety Channel. The Internet's number one talk station. Number one talk station. VoiceAmerica.com. 
You are listening to Real Real Estate Today. To reach Deb tomorrow or with questions and comments about the show, please send an email to Deb at realrealestatetoday.com. That's Deb at realrealestatetoday.com. Now, back to this week's program. Welcome back. We are talking this week with Lauren Wood of Lauren Wood Builders and Joel Kiefer, who's project manager at Lauren Wood Builders. And they are um, the developer of the Bloomington co-housing project. So um, if you'll indulge me for a second, I wanted to just give a little bit of history of co-housing in general. And then I want to get into the uh, Bloomington co-housing project specifically and how that came about. So this comes from a New York Times article that we're posting. It says co-housing can be traced to Copenhagen, where the first living communities or you want to say that word? Boatful of Scabber. Nope. I want to pass. Mm-hmm. Just like a native there. Uh, opened in 1970. A decade later, two architecture students, Charles Durrett and Catherine McCammond, were uh, on a year abroad at the University of Copenhagen. During Mr. Durrett's daily commute through mundane suburbs, he noticed one complex that stood out. People in this one development were always out there talking to each other, sitting at picnic tables, drinking tea. There were children running from house to house and people coming and going to this building the common house where nobody lived and apparently everybody lived he recalled so they later married and in 1984 they returned to Denmark to learn more about the concept and in 1988 they self-published a book on the topic and three years later built America's first co-housing community Muir Commons in Davis California my mother went to the University of Davis um, or University of California at Davis UC Davis Uh, since then their Nevada City California firm McKimma Endurant Architects the co-housing company they've designed 55 co-housing communities across the United States with more in development um, and I think they are kind of the go-to names Certainly. <laughs> uh, for, yes. for that business. Do you know how many co-housing communities there are in the country right now? A couple hundred? A bunch. Yeah, it's a lot. And very. there's a list if you go to the co-housing association website. And I was looking through all the states. And we have a couple in maybe a little bit further north uh, in Indiana. Um, lots and lots and lots in Colorado, Oregon, Washington, uh, California. I was checking to see if there were any in Maine, Kajiris uh, and I were sort of tossing around this, you know, if we retire someday, and, and this is not, I keep saying retire, and it's not a retirement community by any means at all. Um, but we just thought, you know, if we were in our mid-50s and, and wanted to move to a new area, co-housing would be a great way to get integrated into that area really quickly. And so that idea really appealed to me because I thought, well, gosh, you know, you come from nowhere, you don't have family or anything like that nearby, you move in and you've kind of got instant opportunity to make friends that usually is much harder to do. So tell me about how the Bloomington project came about, because it's actually been around for a few years, but you are fairly new stepping into it. Yeah. So these two ladies, Marion and Janet, and I won't use their last names because I, I didn't ask their permission to talk <laughs> on the radio about them, but uh, they, uh, with maybe a third silent partner, um, for years have been interested in co-housing. And I don't know how far back that went, but I know that they had met Mark Cornett, who was the original uh, architect on this years back and some meetings where they were just 
looking for project opportunities around co-housing. So I think for, for them, it had been a long-term dream of creating a co-housing community to live in in Bloomington. And they were visionaries. This land, as you all know, in Bloomington uh, is amazing in terms of the location and what it represents. Very hard to find. How many acres? Um, Two and a half? No, it's it's three-something now because they acquired some additional land to the west that wasn't part of the original PUD. So they acquired this land, hired an architect, went through the PUD process, which is a planned unit development if you want to do something outside of the norm and, and um, in our community, in many communities, you go through this process, and the community got very much on board with it. The, um, it, it was well received and approved, um, and that happened maybe three or four years ago. And they their goal was to build a grassroots community of people who could just pay to develop this themselves. So get other like-minded folks on board who had the money, the wherewithal to to develop the property and build it out. Um, And two things happened, I think, that made that difficult. One, they acquired this one little orphan parcel that had a derelict house, several buildings on it that were falling down that was on the west side of the property between the Montessori property and theirs. And uh, they acquired that and they wanted to grow into that. But in order to do that, they had to re, they go back through the PUD process again. And and that seemed onerous to them. Simultaneously, they had a hard, they didn't have a hard time getting people on board. They had a hard time getting people on board who could just fork over money to make this happen. That's difficult. Yeah. Most people have to borrow money and the banks do not loan money on a dream. Yeah. You know, they loan money that on a house really that clearly, exists, that's yeah. already built or that is under a developed. So fast forward several years, it's, still got a lot of enthusiasm in the community and in the groups who want to live there, but they've not been able to pull together that financing through this organic group of people. Ladies reached out to me uh, at the Unitarian Church one day. Mm. Apparent, apparently Unitarianism is a hotbed for co-housing. <laughs> but uh, it just but, approached, any, but they welcome any religion. That's right, yeah, yeah. <laughs> As do the Unitarians, I yeah, think. That's is true, the, <laughs> that's true. So we're, you know, they approached me and said, hey, look, this is a project we're doing. We'd like to just talk to you about it. And frankly, I wasn't that interested. I thought, what, what can this be? Co-housing? Is it a commun- commune? Commune, right? It, yeah. Um, I and mean, you thought it was a Immediately upon sitting down, listening to them and seeing what they've done, seeing the land, seeing the opportunity and seeing I I was sold. I started doing homework on co-housing. I started thinking about who we wanted to be as a builder in Bloomington mm-hmm. and the type of community infrastructure that we wanted to build. Do we only want to build big houses out in the county that only the owners can go to and see or do we also want to, yes, the answer is we want to build those, but we also want <laughs> to build and facilitate, yeah. <laughs> we want to facilitate community and, and we want to build for not just people who can afford 40 acres out in the county, but mm-hmm. people, you know, these are naturally affordable in a way that most housing in Bloomington is not due to the small size and the shared cost of the common infrastructure so that's very exciting to me to be able to do something custom and new and interesting and engaging on a really neat property that's affordable to a broad segment of the population here who can't otherwise afford to build and buy and own new nice homes Uh that are energy efficient and connected to community resources. So we were on board to say the least. And And when, how long ago was that, that you had that? Over a year, over a year. And it took us about a year to fully onboard ourselves and a lot of homework and and back and forth with the original 
ladies, and uh, but ultimately both parties decided that it was the right marriage, and so we came on board, and we're now running the project and the development and staying true to the original vision and the co-housing design, and we're in the deep in the process of redoing the PUD to accommodate this additional land that, that has, is being incorporated. Um, that additional land, is that... Um, and I'm looking at the diagram, but I mean, did, did that allow for additional um, units to be built and placed on we that piece? Two, we have one additional unit, uh, but it allowed for a lot more parking. Mm-hmm. It allowed for several garages on the perimeter. And those are the big, it's a little bit of covered parking. A lot of the feedback from the early people who are interested, but not quite willing to put up money was saying, I, there's not enough parking. There's nowhere to cover my car. Because realistically, gra- for me, a garage in Bloomington, Indiana, yeah. and you got to have a car. And then simultaneously, the neighbor was saying, neighbors were saying, you've got 25 houses, but only seven. I can't remember how many parking spaces were in the initial one. What if friends come over? Where are they going to park in this little tiny street? So we were trying to respond to the earlier feedback, both from the mm-hmm. neighborhood and from interested parties. And, and I believe that the design that we have here is more all-encompassing and, and responds to the neighborhood um, needs and, and um, unique neighborhood design. And so how many units are we looking at? Potentially? 27 okay. at this 27. point, aside from the common space, yeah. which is uh, substantial in and of itself. And like you said, in the first segment, they range from 800 square feet to about 1600. So yeah. I'm guessing what probably a two bedroom to a three, any four bedrooms. Uh, the floor plans have not been finalized. And okay. again, part of that, that's we're working through that with the PUD process. And, we, you know, there's going to be a give and a take, give and take with this, with the city um, mm. and, and plan commission. Occupancy. And uh, yeah, so, so that's subject to change. Yeah. Okay. Let's go ahead and take our last break. When we come back, I want to ask some specific questions, sort of like a quick fire uh, in terms of how things are going to be run. And my guess is you're not going to have answers to any of them because you're going to say, well, that's up for the up to the owners to decide. So we'll put you to the test with that. Stick around. You're listening to Real Real Estate Today, your home for smart real estate. Stimulating talk gets those synapses in the brain firing really fast. All the time. The number one internet talk station where your opinion counts. VoiceAmerica.com Are you interested in buying or selling a home? Not sure what the next step is? Deb can help. Go to realrealestatetoday.com and click on Start Here. You'll be asked a few simple questions and Deb will personally contact you to help answer your real estate questions and connect you with a realtor in her personal nationwide network of realtors. So even if you aren't in Deb's service area, you're guaranteed to find a good match wherever you are. Visit realrealestatetoday.com. What makes a great leader? Most have a vision, one that starts beyond the resources available and continues from that point into developing a solid plan, organization, and company. Leadership issues are discussed each week on VoltCast, illuminating leadership with host Jeff Smith. Jeff has years of experience as a leader and executive coach, and his guests will bring you information that can help a team of any size. Listen every Tuesday at 1 p.m. Eastern Time, 10 a.m. Pacific on Voice America Variety. Streaming live, the leader in Internet talk radio, voiceamerica.com. You 
are listening to Real Real Estate Today. To reach Deb tomorrow or with questions and comments about the show, please send an email to Deb at realrealestatetoday.com. That's Deb at realrealestatetoday.com. Now, back to this week's program. All right, welcome back to today's show. We're talking about the Bloomington Co-Housing uh, Project and visiting with Lauren Wood and Joel Kiefer from Lauren Wood Builders, who are the developers and realtor on the project. And it's really interesting. So a couple quick questions. Do you have a price point on the homes that are going to be in there? No. Okay. Uh, but affordable. Naturally affordable. Yeah. I mean, it's not going to be $80,000 homes, but it's going to be right in that sweet spot probably. And so I'm assuming you also don't know uh, what the monthly association fees would be. No, we don't. We think they'll be very much in line with other condo associations like Renwick, for instance, okay. which I believe is 300 or 350 a month. So okay. they're going to be in line with that. Yeah. We've got to pay for the common space sure. and for and, maintenance on it. Yeah. And, and I want to remind people, it's just, not just common area, but the common house. Uh, there's a really cool log cabin that you think you're going to kind of turn into some studio space and just some additional um, common uh, space like that that I think is going to speak to Indiana. You know, it'll, it'll remind you that you're in Indiana, which is kind well, of cool. And, and the, as far as the specific price points, I mean, that that's very much in progress. And Mark Cornett, you know, the architect, has, has had a lot of good ideas about how to try to keep that mm. monthly yeah. Um, monthly fee as low as possible. Yeah. And, so that, that's and, in our sites. Always. And I'm not trying to be cagey, but right. if 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 during the PUD process they push back and say you can only have 20 units, right? It's going to cost what it costs to bring in the sewer and the water and the gas and the earthwork, and that's and if you can split that up 27 ways, it's going to be more affordable right. than if you split up 20 ways. So that's what that is the large part right. that is. Do you hear that, City of Bloomington? Yeah. Just if saying. you double the sewer fee, which just happened, and so we're working yes, through, yep. we're working through all that, yep. and that's why we don't know. We're working very hard to quantify those lot costs. Okay. Well, everyone will be watching that. Uh, Joel mentioned Mark Cornett is the architect on the project. Uh, if you're from Bloomington and you're familiar with the South Dunn Street project with all the bright, colorful houses, um, that was a Mark Cornett. Uh, he was the architect on that project as well. And I just drove down South Dunn Street yesterday for the first time in in a little while, and you know that was intentionally developed to have narrower streets and to have front porches to try and bring people outside. So it's kind of interesting to me that that was almost the first iteration mm. and it did really well. Um, and so this is sort of taking it up to the next step. Beeline is another project that he did. Oh, okay. next to Hopscotch. Oh, Again, yeah, yeah. very similar. All mm-hmm. the porches lined up and facing that common Beeline trail. So yeah. it's very similar pocket neighborhoods. Yeah. Um, so are the homes going to be owned uh, similar to a condo or will the owners own the outside? So, like, for example, roofs. The yeah. owners own the outsides. These are standalone units with okay. individual platted lots. So there are lots that you own. Yep. But just like it's just like Dunn Street, okay. except that there's a HOA involved, which okay. I don't think Dunn Street has. Okay, so that's a little bit different. So each a homeowner would be responsible for maintaining their lot. Yes. Okay, because that immediately that, surrounding their yeah. their. But it'll and be you can small. see the individual lots if you yeah. go to the Facebook page and, and check out that lot mm-hmm. design, the little dark lines around each home. Okay. And how and how they maintain the green space once the community is completely occupied mm-hmm. is going to be up to to the to the, the neighborhood to the HOA right yeah. yeah. Just like any other HOA, you just got a little more common space to handle. Yeah, right. Uh, Joel, are there some design elements that you want to talk about well, that are going know, into these homes? Mark is uh, kind of working within the tradition of 
co-housing pocket neighborhood history, as you alluded to in our earlier segment. And um, they are beautiful renderings that we've seen so far. I think there, right now there's five different units. One of my favorite parts that he's bringing in as part of co-housing tenants is um, – the, the porches are not just porches. The porches are rooms, mm-hmm. not necessarily in size, but in function. Mm-hmm. They, they, they come off the main area of the house and they are meant to be one of those funnels into community that we've been chatting about. Mm-hmm. And I, I think he's and we had a conversation and he was I've heard the word porch for Mark quite often. Yeah. It's a major part of it. And just design wise, um, you know, the 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 shape of the houses it's a cottage look it's mm-hmm. a cottage community kind of like a um, a more spare south dunn street mm-hmm. i guess and um i i think that the different levels of landscaping whether it's community ran uh, co-housing cooperative or individual i think that is is going to be um really pleasing mm-hmm. and I think because it's a small plot people can really be creative and and, and do what they like and not break their bank yeah because uh, a small garden is easy to make look great right right yeah. interesting what's the size of the community house do you have any idea uh, on that? what is this square 30 page? something by 30 something and it's got a full basement this parts out it's an old old horse barn downstairs oh, wow. with this it's really neat um, so you know all told, it's probably going to be sixteen or eighteen hundred square feet okay. upstairs. There, there's going to be, you know, wraparound porch mm-hmm. so for outside hanging out mm-hmm. space. There's going to be shop space, shared bike storage, and and bike uh, maintenance and workshop space downstairs. So you're going to have a lot of common facilities mm-hmm. that. Most home, individual homeowners don't have. And guest rooms in there? Uh, the guest rooms will be in, in the, log the, yeah, in the log cabin. Nice. Although there's potential for that. Yeah. And that design will largely, we're planning on building out the structure and then leaving the finished design till the neighborhood is built out so they can have real say in those yeah. common spaces mm-hmm. and how they're used and how they look. And how and they can control the costs that yeah. way uh-huh. too. And the interior of the houses has been much discussed. Mm-hmm. And that's still in play. But it's important to us, you know, that the craftsmanship is is to our standard and that the finishes are lasting and and durable. Yeah. And so, you know, I, it, that that's a constant uh, play yeah. that we're going to be uh, discussing and making sure it's high quality stuff. Yeah. Personally, I'm exci- excited about the, uh, universal design. Uh, because I think everyone should be, and I think these houses especially make sense to design for aging in place, design for young families, for older families, uh, and, and then having things that we're really proud of. Anybody who's familiar with our brand is familiar that we take a lot of pride in the aesthetics and the quality and the energy efficiency and the longevity, and then we stand behind our work and that we don't see this any as any different. I mean, mm-hmm. on the contrary, I'd say we see this as a concentrated place where we can really make a big impact. Mm-hmm. Um, uh, and anybody who's interested, I would encourage you to follow uh, Lornwood Builders on Facebook, but also Instagram, because um, you guys are good at doing, I think, a good job with putting examples of their work. Certainly, your name is synonymous with quality here in Bloomington. So um, that's one of the reasons why I'm pretty excited about that. Karen wants me to ask. That was my next question, Karen. We have a couple minutes before I close here. Um, do you, I'm going to guess you don't have an answer to this. Right. Construction schedule, it's all dependent on the city, right? Listening city of Bloomington? No, we have an answer to that. <laughs> um, uh, yeah, we, we plan to, to turn dirt 
this late summer, early fall, and start putting in foundations this winter and have houses ready to move into next spring, assuming that we don't get a huge amount of pushback redesign from yeah. the city, which we do not anticipate. Yeah. We've already been, I mean, we, I had meetings with the city when the, as soon as the ladies approached me, where are you guys on this yeah. project? How I've had meetings with the mayor's office. We're talking about how to build in affordability. That's a big push. Anybody who's been keeping their ear to the rail here in Bloomington mm-hmm. knows that the current administration cares deeply about uh, affordable housing. And so we're, we are trying to be proactive on every front to help and, and be collaborative with the community and with the city on this design we are going to push it's going to move forward this summer and this fall we're going to be building houses this winter so if someone is interested in learning more i know you've had some informational meetings are there any more coming up in the near future yes check out your facebook page that's right stay tuned yeah uh, make sure that you're following the bloomington co-housing facebook page and lornwood builders and you're going to see that information and we'll be sure to share it as well because i think it's going to be a really interesting project to watch so um that would definitely be one of the ways if someone is interested in learning more should who who should they contact you joel if they're interested and in, in saying you know hey this might be yeah I, I maintain our our kind of email list okay and so they're welcome to contact me and how, my, what's and the they, best way email they can get a hold of me at joel at laurenwoodbuilders.com okay. and, and all of our web, web information and phone numbers are on the website. Yeah. Yeah. And just to, uh, to piggyback on that, those of y'all who are listening live and, and who we've got the home show coming up in Bloomington, mm-hmm. Friday, Saturday, and Sunday this week, Friday from 2 to 8, Saturday 10 to 6, and Sunday at noon to 5. We'll have a booth there with our own little tiny home. Uh, come chat with us, with our team, with Joel. Uh, with myself, Lauren, and, um, you know, beyond that, you can, there's a, there's a um, web uh, form for information on my website, mm-hmm. my personal email, my personal cell phone is on the website. We have a lot of ways to be reached and we are highly communicative and we're really excited to talk about this project. Please reach out to yeah, us. Yeah, it seems like the more people you can get, um, you know, kind of signed up, the easier it's going to go for everyone. And um, I think one of the big keys to success is getting it up and running quickly so that the HOA can define themselves and then get settled into, you know, building those opportunities. Thank you so much for joining us today. I'm just fascinated and I can't wait to watch it. I know it's going to be a huge success and I have a feeling that we're probably going to end up with a lot of these little communities around Bloomington because it's just such a great fit for our great town. So thank you everyone for tuning in and we will be back next week with the show on homesteading so another exciting topic so be sure and tune in for that you're listening to real real estate today your home for smart real estate thank you for tuning into real real estate today please join your host deb tomorrow for another edition every tuesday at 12 noon pacific time 3 p.m eastern time on the voice america variety channel until next week take care of your home it's one of your most important assets 